Welcome to the Vanguard Bible Church podcast. For more information about Vanguard Bible Church, visit www.vanguardbible.org or come worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. at Freedom Middle School in Northwest Bakersfield. We hope you enjoy today's message. So, um, basically, why are we going to John chapter 10 when we just finished John chapter 8? Well, the reason is, uh, I believe it was the week before I came out here uh, uh, to be your pastor, uh, Gordon preached on John chapter 9, and so that was less than six months ago. And because it is just one narrative thrust, and we will review it real quick, we're not going to go through uh, John chapter 9 again. Um, If you want to read it on your own, or if you want to go back and watch that, you can go ahead and do that. But I I will summarize that for us because the best place to start John chapter 10 is by looking back at John chapter 9. And so in John chapter 9, Jesus heals a man who was blind from birth. And praise God that this guy was healed. And yet the Pharisees come and they're questioning this guy. It's kind of weird. They're asking him if he is really the blind guy that was blind. And it's weird because they know that he is that guy. And then they ask who healed him. But they know who healed him. And so it's kind of this whole pointless discussion that they're having. And it's all based around they don't, that the fact they don't like Jesus. right? They don't like the fact Jesus keeps doing super cool, awesome, holy things, but on the Sabbath. And so he's working even by healing people on the Sabbath. And so these Pharisees Instead of rejoicing, like, like somebody that they knew, somebody in their town, in their flock, uh, who, who's in their synagogue, has been healed, they kick him out. And so they kick this guy out. And can you imagine that? Coming to me and saying, James, I've had this problem my whole life, like a serious problem. This guy was blind, and he's healed. Now imagine you come to me and say, I've been healed of this. And my response is like, really? Get out of here go on, get. Like, I don't get, don't be healed. And you know, I don't understand. It's like, who would do this? Well, we know who would do this. You know, it's the Pharisees. And by doing this, this is just another example of how they're consistently bad shepherds. And this is what leads into chapter 10. This is what sets up and makes what Jesus is about to say make perfect sense. Let me pray for us before we dive in. Um, <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I, I hope that you um, take joy in our service because we meet um, to bring you honor and glory. Lord, we thank you for being our provider, sustainer. Lord, we thank you for all we have in Christ. We thank you that your spirit has awakened us and gifted us. Lord, may we see the passage today and really uh, that we would know for certain, Lord, that we, are, that we are sheep, that we are true sheep who follow the good shepherd, Lord. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so John chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 1, and this is Jesus talking. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, 
but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he is saying to them. And so Jesus is explaining how this whole church thing should work, how this whole synagogue temple thing should work, and, um, and they don't get it. And, you know, by their actions, we already know they don't get it. They don't know how this system is supposed to work. So this morning, let's not make that same mistake. Let's look at this parable that starts off before Jesus then begins to tell us something about himself. And so in this parable, like, like any other parable, you really want to know who the characters are, right? Who is being represented in this story? And so let's start off by looking at the sheep. <clears throat> let's start by looking at the sheep. And so in this analogy, we want to look at what sheep are. That's the first thing, right? In, in, in a parable, in an analogy is like, well, what is, what is it about the sheep that resemble people? And so there, there's four things that we could look at here. And the first is that they cannot protect themselves. They cannot protect themselves. These are non-threatening animals. You are not worried if one sneaks up on you. You are not worried if you bump into one in the wilderness. Right? No sweat at all. No, nobody is scared of a sheep. They, even don't, they don't have a, a, a protective armor. They don't have anything to protect themselves. In fact, the only way they are not killed, and this is true is if somehow they are not sheared, their fluff can become so big that, that predators can't penetrate that fluff. And that's it. That's the only defense they have, is, is to be super fluffy. And so they can't fight for themselves. Like, it, it's just, it, it's really, they're very vulnerable. The second thing is that they are not brilliant. I don't know how else to put that. They are not brilliant animals. In fact, sheep are known to wander around aimlessly. Just wander around. In fact, there's records of them walking into fire, walking off of cliffs, right? And then for no reason at all, being really stubborn and timid, just, just for, for no reason. It's been said that the existence of sheep disproves Darwinism, Right? It disproves evolution because how can sheep possibly still exist today? Right? There's no way that's true. Yet despite this, however foolish the sheep may be, one thing that they do is they recognize their master's voice. They recognize their master's voice. <clears throat> and so for instance, um, sometimes, especially in this culture, you'd have a lot of different sheep brought together from different herds right, all into one sheepfold. At night, and so you'd have five, ten different sheepfolds, and they're not separated like by, by who owns them. They're all together in one pen or fold. And in the morning, you'd have the shepherd come out, and the shepherd would call out to his sheep, and only the sheep of that shepherd, of that master, would leave. And so, even though they're not smart, like they get this one very well. You know, I think it's precisely for this reason that you see religious Jews, Pharisees, Sadducees, and Sanhedrin have no idea who Jesus is, right? Jesus is talking to them, and it's like, we don't know who you are. We don't know where you come from. And the same reason that there's other people who hear Jesus speak, and they drop everything. Like, they leave their lucrative careers. It's like, that's my master. Like, they get it, and, and then, then they follow Jesus. Which is good because sheep need to be led, out of any animal that requires husbandry, 
They are considered to be the hardest to direct and to lead and to feed and to teach and to take care of. And so you have to make sure you have the right person as your shepherd. But of course, this isn't a story about natural sheep. And so what we find here, after all that, which sounds horrible, we find out that these are actually people, right? These are the people of God. Sheep are God's people. You know, hopefully you're not offended, right? Just think that, that sheep are cute and, and, and lovable. That, that's what we have to think about. <clears throat> but we see this all throughout Scripture, including as we read this morning, um, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And so what, what is David saying in this? David is saying, I'm a sheep. Like that whole, that whole psalm is, I'm a sheep and the Lord is my shepherd. Isaiah 40, 11. He, God, will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. And then from the Old Testament to, to even in the future, we're still, we're still sheep. Let's look at the hope of Revelation chapter 7, verse 17. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And so he's still using this imagery as he's our shepherd. He's going to lead us into heaven, right? Into the gates of heaven. He will lead us and take care of us, wipe our tears away. And so this sheep shepherd imagery, it goes all throughout Scripture beginning to end. And so the next character is, is, might be the confusing one in this story is, is the shepherd. And so a shepherd leads and takes care of those who are God's people, the sheep that are God's people. The shepherd is supposed to be a religious leader who cares for God's people. This would be like your pastor and elder today, right? They would be leading you. And so, so far, we don't know Jesus is the good shepherd yet. Technically, we don't know that yet. As we're reading, that's in a couple of verses. So this is just generally how things are, are supposed to work, that God loves his people and cares for them by giving them a shepherd to lead them to him. And all of the Pharisees, you know, they don't completely understand what this parable is about, as it says, right? They would probably guess or assume that this is probably them right? And it should be them, right? So it should be the Pharisees, and this is where it gets confusing. It should be them. And then we have the gatekeeper, only mentioned once, and I, I truly believe the gatekeeper here is God the Father, who just owns the whole fold and owns the sheep and is in charge of their well-being, of their care, and making sure, yeah, that they are taken care of. And then we have the thieves and robbers. Now, these are the Pharisees. These are the Pharisees. Maybe they knew that and acted like they didn't know which ones they were. That's what I would have done. And so there's three ways in this, actually, that, there, that there's a judgment against them. Three ways that when they're called thieves and robbers, that there's a judgment against them. The first is that they are not sheep. Right? They are not sheep. They don't recognize the voice of their master not even when face-to-face with them. 
There's no sheep who want to kill their master. If you're a sheep, you know, follow, the reason you follow this guy, it's like, oh, he leads us to food and to water and to shade and a cool place to sleep. And so you don't want to kill your master. And so we know that they are not sheep. And second, uh, they are not shepherds or you can call them bad shepherds, right? The same difference. So they're either failing or they're just, they're just not. And that's the whole point of this. Because they are not sheep of God, they cannot be shepherds of God. And so I know even for myself, you may hear me refer to myself as an under-shepherd. I'm an under-shepherd, which means I know, first and foremost, and you should know this, that I am a sheep like you. I am a vanguard sheep, right? But also, I am an under-shepherd. I'm a shepherd of you, but I'm an under-shepherd of Jesus. And yet we know here, by the way these Pharisees have acted, by the way they've treated this guy who was blind and has been healed, that they're not shepherds. Or, or they're really bad shepherds. <clears throat> they didn't protect this guy. You know, so it's awesome that this guy's been blind his whole life, but now he can see, right? That, that's fantastic. But also, how hard would that be? Like, I know putting on my glasses when I don't have glasses on, putting on my glasses is like an experience, right? Or if you get new contacts, everything is sharp. And imagine being blind and now you can see. And so this poor guy, I mean, it's great, but this must be a very difficult situation. And I do believe a shepherd would then take someone by the arm or the hand and just lead them around and then point to stuff. And it's like, here's that sound. You know, that's this person. That's what they look like. Here's, here, here's the synagogue. Look at this great place. Let, let's look at Scripture, right? Show them around. Show them mercy. In fact, almost do anything except kick them out, right? They kick this guy out. They are not shepherds. And third, they are thieves and robbers. They don't belong to the sheepfold. They don't belong near the sheep. They mean the sheep harm. They break in and still steal and even kill the sheep. And so the sheep are the people of God, right? The sheep are the people of God, just like us. And the shepherd is there to take care of the people of God. This should have been the Pharisees, but they are really bad shepherds, or, or they're not shepherds, because they are not sheep. And so in light of this, then Jesus progresses into verses 7 through 10, where he says, um, so it says, so Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in, in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And so here we have our next I am declaration, right? I am the door. Well, what does that mean? He is the entrance to the fold of God. He is the entrance to the people of God. In this context, in this parable, in the reality of people being sheep, Jesus Christ is the entrance to the sheepfold. You know, it's interesting sometimes, because it's kind of a weird expression, but we have, we have documentation of the fact that the shepherd would often be the door. And so once you brought all your sheep in, into the sheepfold, 
the shepherd would sleep in front of the door. And the reason is, if any predators come in, like they would know about it because they'd have to go over him. And also if any sheep tried to get out, they would have to go over him. And so you see this imagery here. Jesus is, like, Jesus is at the door, right? He is the door. No one's coming in or out that's not, that's not supposed to. Which means you could be ultra spiritual. You could be the most spiritual person ever. Uh, you can have multiple seminary degrees, right? Multiple ones. And still not be part of the sheepfold of God unless you come in through the door, right? The capital D door, you know, the door that is shaped like the cross. Now, this reminds me of the last night before Exodus, the Exodus where the Israelites, you know, they put blood on their doors, right? They put blood on top of their doors, blood coming down. They put blood on the posts and they make this cross sign made out of blood, and everybody inside in the flock is fine, safe, secure, taken care of. Everybody outside of the doors, outside of the flock, then face the judgment and plague. And so there's an evident distinction by whether you belong to the people of God or not. Now, in that story, one thing I, I love, I, I believe it's Exodus 12, 36, 38. Um, <clears throat> I don't have a slide for it, but... When, when Israel leaves, people who are not Israelites leave with them. And it's only one verse, and so you have to really catch it. And so there's a bunch of people who, who witnessed all, all, all of God's judgments and plagues and said, like, we want to change flocks. And so as Israel leaves, in between them you know, and the Egyptians chasing them, you have Egyptians following the people of God. And we know later in Leviticus also that God lets them in. Like, they are grafted into the family, right? And so it's interesting because we always talk about the Passover pointing to the cross. Amen, absolutely it does. But it also shows a glimpse of the fact that at the cross, right afterwards, Gentiles are being grafted in. And you see that all the way, all the way back to that point. So what are some of the advantages of coming to this door, through this door? Let's look at verse 9. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and we'll go out and find pasture. So safety, right? Safety would be there. When you enter the door, you don't have to worry about being stolen or lost. Man, when you're in, you're in. Like, you, you are secure. You know, in the book of John, you know, John communicates over and over that this book is written that you may believe in Jesus, right? Yes, that, that is why this is written. That is the thrust of the book of John, that you may believe. But I would say right after that would be the fact that you are secure, right? So every time salvation is presented as an option, Jesus always says he will take that to the very end. He will raise you up on that last day. He will not lose any of the sheep that his father has given him. And so safety, yes, come to Jesus. But once you do, please don't worry about if you are safe or not. Do not have a checklist every day whether you are saved or not. That is not how any of this works. You know, just like sheep can misbehave sometimes. And yes, you know, they're reprimanded, they're scolded, but they don't stop being sheep. And so don't ever worry about that. If you were in Christ, man, John just preaches this over and over. You, you are secure. Verse 10, I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And so quality of life, the quality of life, all the I am sayings 
that we've seen so far are about not only how Jesus is essential, and he is, Jesus is essential, but that he makes this life and the life to come so much better, so much better. And so you have this issue here of security in the door with the sheep. So this is a security. But also if you're a shepherd, what else do you worry about with the sheep? Leading them and feeding them, right? So protect, lead, and feed. And in the other I am sayings, what have we looked at? Jesus says, I am the bread of life, food, right? I am the light of the world, right? He's the leader. He directs your path. And so safety, food, and leadership sets up the fact that Jesus is the good shepherd, Now, there's one more aspect of this door that I want to look at that I believe is implied and really would trigger most of our society, and that is the fact this is a narrow door, right? Jesus does not say, I am one of several doors. I am a door, right? It's like he's the door. That's it. All paths don't lead to God, um, or as I always say, Oprah is wrong. And so she's a big champion if you don't know, Oprah just preaches all the time. doesn't matter what path you're on, they all lead to God. So even if you hate God and you're on a path that says you hate God and never want to see him, you still end up there. So, but no, that's, that's not what Jesus is saying. If you want to get to God, if you want to get to heaven, you have to go through Jesus Christ. He is the door. You know, he was the one that will get you to heaven, and it will be heaven because Jesus will be there, Right? And so this morning, I could go into a long apologetic about this issue, you know, the fact there's only one way to God. But instead of doing that this morning, maybe another morning, I want to ask you some other questions. Are you part of the flock of God? Right? That's not the, I mean, that's the question you have to ask yourself. Are you part of the flock of God? And if not, the only way to come in is through Jesus Christ. It is through that door. It is through the cross. You must believe in his life, death, and resurrection. You know, and you, you, must, you must come through the door. I, I think there needs to be a distinction there. There's people who know much more about the door than I do who aren't sheep. They could describe the door, wax intellectual. I mean, they have you know, PhDs about Jesus, about the door, who are not sheep. You must, by faith, enter the door. You must enter the door. That's the whole point. And if you would say, well, you you are part of the flock, and you would say this morning, yes, I'm I'm absolutely part of the flock. You know that. Then my question would be, how did you get here? How did you get here? I know you're here. Love you guys. You guys are faithful. But how did you get here? If you came any other way but by Jesus, let me just say, because I love you, you need to leave and come back through Jesus. You need to go leave the door and come back through Jesus because that's, that's what's going to make you part of his flock and part of his fold. The Pharisees here think they're part of the fold. I mean, do you see that? I mean, they're in. They've said over and over, like, we are the children of God. Like, God's our father. We are children of Abraham. And so they think they are absolutely part of the flock. And so they think they've been born inside the door. They didn't have to enter it. Right? They're guarding it in their mind. You know, today we would compare this to cultural Christianity. Right? Where you, you were born in the church. I mean, you, you were... Uh, 
um, presented as a baby, raised in children's church, youth group, even come as an adult. But that's not good enough. And again, because I love you, I, I need to tell you, if you didn't come through the door, your faith is futile. Like, you are in danger. You are in danger if you didn't come by Jesus, through Jesus, through that door, into this flock. I know sometimes, you know, we come with a friend. That's how we come to church or by family. And we just come and come and, yeah, we're in. We keep coming, we're showing up. But I would just encourage you, if you have any doubt at all, just go to Jesus and submit to him, right? And confess to him that you need his salvation for your sins. There's nothing wrong with doing that over and over. I think that's very healthy just to remind yourself and go to Jesus again and maybe just thank Jesus for being the door. Thank you. Goodness, there was a door. Thank you for, for being that door. But we can't miss that, that we have to come through Jesus to be here, to be part of the flock. And he is worth following and he is worth coming to because he is the good shepherd in fact, he says so in verses 11 through 13. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves, and the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And so this week we got two for one. We have two I am sayings in, in one passage because it says here he is the good shepherd. And he doesn't just say it and, and just say, well, you just have to accept that I'm good. He then goes on to lay out very quickly what makes him a good shepherd. To start, he cares, right? I mean, that's huge, Right? You want a shepherd over you who cares, that you know when they're talking to you, they, you know they actually care about you. And we find this in verses 12 and 13. Again, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And so Jesus is contrasting himself with these hired hands. When they see danger coming, and I get it. I, I think, I, you know, if I was in this position, if I saw a wolf coming at me, you know, <clears throat> it's like, I don't get paid enough for this. I don't get paid enough to be eaten by a wolf or some other guy's sheep. And so they take off. In contrast, we know Jesus cares. Why? Because he owns the sheep, right? He purchased the sheep with his blood, his life. He's already given up his life for these sheep. And that's why he cares. He couldn't care anymore. There's nobody who can care more for you than Jesus cares for you. It's just not possible. Second, like any good shepherd, he knows the sheep. He knows his sheep. Now it says multiple times in this passage, but <clears throat> specifically verses 14 and 15. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And so we aren't just sheep, like collectively. And we're not sheep one, two, three, four, right? He says he knows us. 
and in a way that baffles me that, I, I, that I'm useless to you to explain, he compares the way he knows us to the way he knows God the Father. There's no greater intimacy in this universe than within the Trinity. And he's, that's what he's comparing this to. That's how well he knows us. And that, that's why I, I just look forward to heaven and, and being in that relationship. In fact, it was common at this time for shepherds to not only count the sheep. I, I think the misconception is the shepherd would just, okay, there's 30, okay, we're all good. But no, they knew every sheep by name. And they gave them names. And this is a fun fact. We know historically they were just as bad at naming their, their animals than we are. <clears throat> right? And so there's documentation of sheep called Snowy. Right? Um, fluffy was actually a name of a sheep. And so whatever they were, so that if you knew your flock and you knew hey, there's Fluffy, there's Snowy, and then you would gather all of them by name. You can call them and they would come to you. And I mention this just because, like, Jesus knows us by name as well. We're not just a bunch of faces, right? I'll, I'll, I'll say it over and over. Jesus took names to the cross. He came to earth with names, and he took names to the cross. And I think we looked at this in um, the Song of Solomon sermon, but Jesus also has a new name for us. In Revelation 2.17, it says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So it's us. The one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, which is crazy, um, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. And so not, not only does Jesus know, know us by name, he has, like, I don't want to call it a pet name, but he has another name that he is going to call us, that he's going to give us, that's going to be just between us and him. And I, I don't know about you, Mike, I'm literally getting chills. You know, and I am hoping that I'm not fluffy. Um, <clears throat> but truth be told, Jesus can call me anything. <laughs> right? He, Jesus calls me, I'm coming. And I hope that's you as well. Like no matter what Jesus calls us, yes, awesome. Just, just call me, right? That, that's all we want. And next, he lays down his life to save his sheep. So five times, verse 11, 15, 17, and twice in verse 18, Jesus says he lays down his life for the sheep. And so have no doubt about it, Jesus is the hero, right? Forget Marvel, forget whatever else you're into, stories. Like, Jesus is the hero. He, he is absolutely the hero of our faith. He puts himself in harm's way. He stops the threat. He saves us. Jesus didn't take on wolves. He took on the greatest threat to us, right? At the cross, Jesus defeated our greatest enemy, us, right? Our sinful selves. Jesus took on our sinful selves and defeated it, defeated us. He gave us his life instead, his awesome, holy, perfect life. And he gave it to us, and he laid it down for us. And he sa it says willingly. It's like, no one's making me do this. I just love you guys so much. You belong to me. I will do anything for you. And it's not that he's, he's willing to die. It's that he died for us already. You know, that's how you know somebody willing to die for you. Jesus already died for you and rose from the dead. 
and says, follow him, right? He's made a door. Like at the cross, you know, at the empty grave, he's made a door. And he's saying, like, I am the door. Come on, guys. I, follow me through this, right? Come to heaven with me. I've created this door. You just have to enter through me and believe that your faith in me in being that door, and that will save you. And just going along with this, <clears throat> he laid down his life for you, for us, and for Bakersfield. Because here's the deal, if we're being really faithful to, to the, the text here, you can make an argument that says, well, none of this has anything to do with us. The, the, the sheep are the people of God. The people of God here are Israel. And yet in verse 16 it says, and again Jesus saying, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Not of this flock. He's talking about Vanguard, right? Vanguard was not part of the synagogue, right? The church of the ages was not part of that faith, of that people, of that synagogue. And yet Jesus is saying here, like, he's coming to get us. He's calling out. I mean, that, that's what we are proof of here this morning as Vanguard Church. That when the shepherd calls, and the good shepherd calls, people follow. Right? His call has been echoing now for 2,000 years, and people are still, still coming and running to him. Now, I don't know about you, but that makes me want to tell people about this shepherd. Because we know, and it's kind of a weird discussion talking about that. Well, you know, if we already know who's going to be saved, why are we, why, why are we going to evangelize? And it's like, well, that motivates me. I already know there's going to be people who are going to respond. That's a motivation to me. Like, there's going to be people, yes, rejection, 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 but somebody, they're going to know and they're going to drop everything to come to Jesus. They're going to hear Jesus' voice through our gospel presentation. And so this morning, I don't want us to be like the Pharisees who have no idea who they are in the story, have no idea who they are in life, or worse, think they are somebody who they're not, who don't know God. But let's be like the sheep who follow the good shepherd and follow his voice and follow him through the door that he is. Let me pray for us. We hope you've enjoyed this Vanguard Bible Church podcast. You can find more sermon messages online at vanguardbible.org. Have a great week, and we hope we'll see you soon.